Welcome back to Caffeinated Bible Chatter. This is Kyle O'Shields. I'm here with Dylan Brown, and we're back for our third episode. Um, Dylan, how you feeling now you got two under your belt? Man, I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Uh, the listeners, maybe not so much. They're, they're feeling a little rocky, um, but I am feeling good. I'm ready to roll. And uh, not we're not too far in this, but I'm you know each week I'm getting a little more comfortable. Yeah. So uh, yeah. here we that may be a bad thing. I don't know, but here we go. Yeah. What a ride. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you missed last week, you didn't get to tune in. Um, the episode title was a literal versus an allegorical approach to scripture. Um, so we talked about our approach to scripture is uh, is is literal, right? And there's a a lot of people out there that take an allegorical approach to the scripture. Um, and the golden rule we gave last week was where the plain sense of scripture makes good sense, seek no other sense, right? Um, so that, that's all there is to it. We approach it literal. That's what God's word says. And, and that's what it says. I don't, I don't need to be reaching in there and putting my own, oh, this makes me feel this way, you know, or my own interpretation on it. That's 2 Timothy 1.20. Knowing this first, that no man prophesy of the scripture is of any well prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation right it's not up to me it's up to the author of this book um and then dylan was talking about kind of went back into where allegories came from um but if if we approach the the bible allegorically then we have no absolute truth right what what is an allegory if i'm approaching scripture that way what about salvation is an allegory right um so now we'll this talking about our approach to this literally, it leads us into this this new episode as uh, dispensationalism, um, and I'll let let Dylan kick that off. Yeah. So, what we you know I'll, I'll say this too, if you're if you're listening right now, you are listening to our third episode, which means you're probably in elite company. Yeah. There, <laughs> we're pro. I mean, I don't know. The downloads have been been pretty good, and we're excited about that, but. You know, they, you're you're an elite company, so we just I, I want to start off by saying thank you for being here, and we cherish we cherish your your uh, your ear this hour. Um, but so last week, like Kyle was saying, with us talking about this literal approach to scripture, and that that is our that is our main, you know, we we interpret it literally. We believe it's a a literal interpretation uh, interpretation. So you don't need to to approach it with some kind of hidden gem meaning. Uh, if something's laid out very plainly, um, because that's where you get into false doctrine a lot of times as, as the different things we laid out last week and no, there was no, uh, agenda against, I kept talking about Catholics and Calvinism. There was no agenda there, but they both shared that same thing that they mystify what they're reading instead of just taking it plainly for what it says. So, but, but that does roll us into dispensationalism. Now I will say if if somebody's never heard of of dispensationalism, the if I'm you, let me just kind of lobby with you here for a second. I understand the the reservation because my thought would be this sounds like a man made approach to studying the Bible. It sounds like some. I mean, it's an it's an ism for crying out loud. Like I mean, that just you know. But I, I, my 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 hope is that after this, and we don't know how many weeks this is going to last. Uh, at least, at least this week, we know that much, but my hope is that you see that this is not, uh, this is not a man-made thing that this really is. It's just a word that we give it 
for for really rightly dividing, and we'll go to a reference there that we that we quote all the time for that. Uh, but because this is why we're dispensationalists at the end of the day, me and Kyle, is because this is the only way that you can interpret the Bible literally, consistently. And I, I think we're gonna we're gonna try to show some examples of of why that's so. Uh, because what you'll find yourself doing, it, it, anybody that doesn't adhere to dispensationalism when they're approaching scripture, they're going to find themselves at times having a hard time taking it literally because this is, this is the, this is the, the golden thing right here. This is the secret sauce on why you have to be a dispensationalist. If you're going to be a true Bible believer and, and rightly divide the word of truth, because the Bible says different things in different places. And again, that may sound, uh, strange that to you that may sound like your mind an anti-dispensational views favorite verse is is that God is the same yesterday today and, and forever okay and, and he is his nature is is that he he cannot lie but the way that he deals with his with people definitely changes and we see that throughout scripture and so again this is the only way that we we can take the Bible literally so that's why we talked last week about the importance of taking it literally first, because as we lay out this groundwork of dispensationalism, the quickest thing that it'll be easy to do is to bail on this thing halfway through or to bail on this idea and to think, well, that sounds like a man-made philosophy or something like that. Um, if you haven't, it'd be easy to do that if you haven't first nailed down the fact of, you know what, I'm in it to win it. I'm approaching this book literally believing that God says what he, what he means and he means what he says. So, because you got Second uh, Timothy two fifteen, right. uh, so so this is this is very popular verse. We quoted it last week. We probably quoted it in every episode so far. Uh, but this is the this is the command in Scripture to study, and it gives us some parameters on how we're to study, which is important because again, this is a proof that this is not a man made system, uh, but this is something that God lays out in His Word on how to study His Word. Yep. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, and so notice this is this is obviously God's lingo, not ours, but He uses the term rightly dividing. Okay, so the term dividing means that there's some separation there. There is something that is not the same. They're not completely connected, and so. Now, granted, it, that, that does not say, that, that did not say the word dispensation, but it does say that we have to divide the word of God, uh, and, and there are actually references for dispensation in the word of God. But before I go into that, this is, this is all that we can, when talking about rightly dividing, okay, what all does that mean? Well, we believe very clearly that that means you have to rightly divide dispensationally, that there's dispensations in the Bible, where this is what this episode's about, and, this, and I'll get further into that. But also, divisions in the Word of God are not just simply dispensations, but they're also uh, they're also people groups. And so, Kyle, you have uh, you want to look at? I thought I had it. I didn't pull it up here. First Corinthians ten thirty two. Ten thirty two. Yeah. First Corinthians ten thirty two. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the Church of God. Okay, and so that gives us three three people groups. Okay, the Jew, 
the Gentile in, in the church. Now, and again, all this, the, that reality that we just looked at plays into dispensationalism, but it needs to be said separately just to show you kind of the, the bearings and everything. So again, divisions is, is talking about dispensations. It is talking about people groups, which is, by, by the way, that's why it's so important, uh, which is all talking about rightly dividing. But that's why it's so important that you know like what specific book in the Bible you're reading, who the audience is. And that goes into the context of it. Because the book of Hebrews, and we always, we always like to joke about this one, but it's just because it's so obvious. Like, who is the audience in Hebrews? Well, it's, it's Hebrews. Okay, and again, the Jew is not the same as, as the church, as a, as, a, as a born-again believer in the church age, which is what, what you and I are if you know Christ. And so, so dispensations is part of rightly dividing the word of truth. Understanding the people groups is part, is part, of, a part of that. Uh, and then uh, you've also got uh, the whole deal of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, that is completely wrapped up in dispensationalism, but I just felt the need to kind of separate that a little bit um, just because those, those are two things that most people believe are the same thing, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Now, we have a, a lot of examples that show us that that's not the case, but, and we don't have time to, to get into that. We'll probably do a separate episode of that eventually. Uh, but the kingdom of heaven simply is only found in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is a, a book to the Jew. Okay, It's talking about the kingdom being offered to the Jew, Christ coming as a king, all of those things, him coming to his people, all those things. Okay, And so this kingdom of heaven is a literal physical kingdom that is, is involving the nation of Israel. Uh, and then the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. We know that simply... Uh, from Romans fourteen twelve. Let me let me grab Romans fourteen twelve here. And you know what? A little a little Bible turning, a little Bible turning in the in the audio is probably just good. That's just good for folks. Let's see. Romans fourteen. It's seventeen. Yeah, for the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. So for the for the for the kingdom of God is is not meat and drink. Okay, so notice that. Now we said a kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom. Bible talks about uh, Abraham and, and these different guys in the Old Testament walking in uh, and around the kingdom of heaven. But but this verse says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So you cross reference that to Galatians five twenty two, which talks about the fruit of the spirit. Just love, joy, peace, long suffering, all those things. Okay, so what simply this is, the kingdom of God, is somebody being a part of a spiritual kingdom when they've had a spiritual birth, which we believe you're born again by personal faith in Jesus Christ and, and what he's done for you. And and then the Spirit of God at that moment comes to live within that person so that they now are a part of a spiritual kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. Now those two kingdoms, and again, not trying to do an episode on kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, we'll get there, but those two kingdoms will uh, come together eventually when Christ sets up his literal kingdom on earth. And we talked a lot about that last week with Christ's literal second coming, not the rapture, but when the, ra the rapture will happen, when the church is, is called out, which we believe is very soon, and then there's a tribulation period, <clears throat> and then Christ comes back. And at that point, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven will uh, be jointed together, but that's because the King is present, which is Jesus Christ. So right now, th those things are, those things are completely separate. Again, we we only have to do with the kingdom of God right now, not the kingdom of heaven. And so, 
those are just three very very simple things that, and very important things that I felt needed you know I felt needed to be said on this whole deal of Second Timothy two fifteen. So when it talks about rightly dividing, yes, it's talking about dispensations again, and we're about to get back to that, and that's what this is all about. But that is part of that because dispensations essentially are divisions in the Word of God. But it again is talking in more detail than just that. It's talking about understanding the difference in the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. It's talking about people groups. It can even be talking about, there's plenty of references in the Old Testament that the first half of the verse will be talking about the first coming of Christ. And then there's a, there'll be a semicolon or a colon or something. And the second half of the verse is talking about the second coming of Christ. So the only way to properly rightly divide that is compare scripture with scripture. So all of that is involved in the Second Timothy 2.15 deal of rightly dividing the word of truth. But it... You know, we go there because, again, that is the place that is commanded uh, to us to study. But again, it's interesting that he uses, that the Apostle Paul uses such lingo as rightly dividing the word of truth. Kyle, do you still have that reference pulled up? Second Timothy 2.15? Yeah, but it's, go ahead and read it one more time. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So a few obvious things from that verse is, is that, for one... If he's commanding us to rightly divide, then it gives us the obvious reality that it's possible to wrongly divide. He's not going to waste time to command us to do things that we cannot do. It's a waste of time. But also, there's, there's, something, there's something connected with rightly dividing, and that is not being ashamed. So on the flip side of that, if somebody, because we can, we do have the ability, unfortunately, to wrongly divide, if somebody does wrongly divide, it's, it's obviously connected with being ashamed. So this whole thing of studying, this whole thing of understanding doctrine, because nobody likes doctrine. Or, <clears throat> I mean, most people. Most people don't like doctrine. Uh, most churches, most, most churches, in order to draw a lot of people and stuff like that, most people, at least people that are our age, and I don't have a problem with broad brushing, broad brushing people. I always hear people worried about broad brushing. I'm, just, I'm a great broad brusher. And my broad brush of people our age, because we're, we're millennials, so I can say this, is that most of them don't like doctrine. Most Christians, I'm talking. Most Christians our age don't like doctrine. But if you're the exception of that, then praise the Lord. Maybe you can, if you are that guy, maybe you can become the opposite of that and actually like doctrine. But the point of all that is, the reason doctrine is, import, is, is important is because it can, if you don't get your doctrine straight, well, you can be ashamed. And specifically, my mind goes straight to a reference in 1 John 2 that talks about that there are people that will be ashamed at his coming. Okay, and then on the flip side of that, there's also people, according to, I think it's 2 Timothy 4, Paul says that there will be some people that love his appearing. So man, I don't know about you, but I would rather be in the crowd that, that is loving his appearing, especially considering it's coming so soon rather than being in the crowd of people that are ashamed at his coming. Now, certainly that has something to do with the way that Christian has lived their life, because both contexts are both contexts of those two verses are believers. Certainly that has something to do with whether you're ashamed or love is appearing. That's going to have to do with how you've lived your life, your consecration to Christ, your surrender to him, all that. But, but according to 2 Timothy 2.15, and talking about being ashamed, it has something to do with how we, we rightly divide this book. So it's very important. So, again, letting that lead us into to dispensationalism. Um, again, so for the person that maybe has never heard of this, because, uh, again, that's what we're trying to do here is 
we'll use this as a launching pad. What what is dispensationalism? Because we are we, we obviously went to Second Timothy two fifteen saying that you have to rightly divide, and that we've said that dispensations are divisions. But what exactly is that? Uh, so Kyle Kyle has a definition here. We're, I'd read both of them, Kyle. Maybe we can talk about possibly the differences okay. in two. Yeah, I got two definitions. Um, so what a dispensation is. A distinguishable economy in the outworking of God's purpose. Um, and then the second one, a period of time in which a designated steward has a responsibility in the administration of God's kingdom. Okay, what was that first one again, Kyle? I'm sorry. A distinguishable economy in the outworking of God's purpose. Okay. So, um, uh, another working definition, just to kind of give you different uh, you know, working definitions here. So... Uh, d- a dispensation, the Greek word, and I, and you, you'll eventually pick up on this if you can't keep hanging around with us. We're not that crazy about the Greek and Hebrew because we believe that our English Bible is perfect. We believe the King James Bible is perfect. But we still have no problem referencing it at times for, for certain studies. But the Greek word in, in, of, of dispensation, and you're going to tell that I have a, I'm a very knowledgeable guy in Greek based on my pronunciation of this word, <laughs> is uh, oikonomia. Now, that was mixed with a little bit of Japanese, I do believe. <laughs> Oikonima. It's O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A. And I probably just disqual- disqualified myself from ever doing podcasts. Yeah. So if we have four, four downloads for this episode, well, we know why. Um, but that word means, which is, again, the Greek word for dispensation. It means the laws by which a household is operated. Or the way the master of a house arranges his household. And so, man, that is, that, that's kind of a simpler way of, of looking at it. You kind of take all those three things and kind of compile them together. But it, it's really how, how a, a father runs his home is similarly to how the Lord Jesus is dispensing his grace to the world. And so, one way that we've, we've also been been taught uh, to approach it is the word dispensation. You can kind of compare it like this. It is, and I just kind of said this a second ago, but it is how God is dispensing his grace. So I've heard it taught from several pastors, but you you use the analogy however you want to, but it's, you, you think about anything that dispenses something. So we've, we've learned from another podcast that we used to listen to that, that like a Pez dispenser, and when you put the Pez in and then you you do the little deal, it dispenses out the Pez. Okay, it's kind of a funny analogy, but it's true. Okay, uh, and, and there's other examples of stuff like that. But it's anything, um, if, you fill up, if you fill up four different style coffee machines with coffee, and then you get coffee out of each of those four machines, they, are all, they may all dispense them a little bit differently. Or the same, but nonetheless, what they're all simply doing is they're dispensing coffee. Okay, and again, maybe that's a, a oversimplistic view of it, but that that really is what it comes down to. So what we're saying is that God dispenses His grace differently in, in throughout different times in, in history. Okay, so no, so no matter the dispensation, right? When we're going through this, it's always God's grace, right? God's grace mm-hmm. through faith. That's always the same. Yep. Even though we're saying there's different dispensations, God's not changing. 
Right. Yeah, his his grace is the same. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and it really all comes a lot of it comes back to to faith, like I was saying, faith in the Word of God. So God's command to a certain people group in a certain time period may be one thing, but then for a, for later on in history, it becomes something different. So, but it's still someone saying, "Hey, this is this is what the Lord's saying. Yeah. This, and I'm going to believe this." So, like, it, because you know we're in the church age. When I got saved, a, a Bible was opened, and I was taken through the Book of Romans, taken John three sixteen, Acts sixteen thirty one. Uh, several of those references. And what I did is I simply saw what the Word of God was saying, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for me, that He rose again, and that that was offered to pay for my sin debt. And then I simply, the best I knew how, called upon Christ with believing what He said in His Word, understanding I needed Him to save me from my sins. Okay, well, what what was I doing? I was simply taking the Word of God for what it said to me about my condition, about the solution to my condition, and putting my faith in what the Word of God said. Because I couldn't see Jesus. When I got saved, I didn't look up and see Jesus floating in the clouds or anything like that. I, I just believed what the Word of God said. And so that is the same, you know, the same truth in every dispensation. It's just that, again, yeah, like Kyle said, uh, what he is saying may may be different to different different time periods, Okay. Uh, now I will say I, I do keep referencing this whole thing of time periods because uh, there, there, if you ever study out dispensationalism, there is a thing that's kind of disagreed on on how to define it and stuff like that. But a, a dispensation in and of itself is not a, a time period, okay? But it's it is it is easy to 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 categorize it in time periods because God did dispense His grace differently in different time periods. So that hopefully that clears up some of that. Um, so Kyle, I've got a few, I got a few references here. So is so we're talking about dispensationalism. We we went to Second Timothy two fifteen, and we're laying out you know that we have to rightly divide the word of truth. But again, in, in case somebody thinks this whole thing of a dispensation is a man made philosophy, well, dispensation does appear in our Bible literally uh, several times. Um, Kyle, if you want to grab First uh, Corinthians nine seven, uh, actually, grab uh, Ephesians three two. All right. And then I've got Colossians one twenty five here. There's a there's several others, but Colossians one twenty five says, "Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God." So that shows you right there that it's not necessarily a time period because there's no time period that is the God time period, but we see that God is dispensing something. There's a dispensing of something that's coming from God is what it's saying. So Paul says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispense, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to, to fulfill the word of God. Okay, and then Big Kai, you got Ephesians 3? Yep, Ephesians 3, 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. Okay, so... Both, both, and there's uh, Ephesians one ten. If you just like to study this stuff out, Ephesians one ten, First Corinthians nine seventeen, those are also two references. Uh, and then Luke sixteen is a uh, is a, an, a a key reference. It doesn't use the word dispensation, but it, this is the same. Okay, that little Japanese word that I said earlier, 
it's really a Greek word that I just made it into the language of the Japanese. Uh, that is that 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 word is translated as stewardship in Luke sixteen. So this is a parable of, of a steward here, and he said in verse four uh, says, "I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses." So the reason we go there give you just another. Uh, another view of, of how to define this whole thing because uh, you know stewardship is is or in order to be a steward you are having to respond to what something that has you know if I've given something to Kyle if I have given him some money um, then whether he's a good steward or a bad steward is is dependent on how how and what he does with what I've given him okay so I hope that maybe gives you another little bit of an example there but so, so this thing of dispensation, obviously a, a, a biblical thing. Uh, again, four references that we gave you just right off the rip, and then again that thing in stewardship in Luke sixteen. Uh, so, Cal, you want to maybe t- you want uh, us to kind of break down the the historical view of, of of how many dispensations there are and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you want me to just so like we some people would say they're. The, yeah, hit the original seven. Original, you got, you yeah, yeah, the seven. So, so I have seven written down. Some people may say eight, or but here's seven. This is the original dispensations. Uh, so the first one is the dispensation of innocence, and this is in. I guess I'll just give the references with it. Yeah, uh, Genesis chapter one through chapter three. Um, the second is the dispensation of conscience. That's Genesis chapter four through chapter eight. Third is the dispensation of human government. Genesis chapter 9 through chapter 11. The dispensation of the patriarchs, Genesis chapter 12 through Exodus chapter 18. Uh, The dispensation of the law, that's Exodus 19 to the death of Christ. And then the dispensation of grace, that's from the death of Christ to the second coming. And if you didn't know, that's that's the one we're in right now. Uh, And then the dispensation of the millennium, and that's Revelation chapter 20, the first 15 verses. Okay, so me, me and Kyle, we do we do kind of get together and talk about this a little bit before we get rolling, but we do uh, we don't converse throughout the week uh, about this. There's no skit here. There's no skit, and that's why we're raw and real. And I've told Kyle from day one that I, I do not want this thing. Uh, and Kyle's right on the same page. We don't want this thing professional. Like we don't want to, you know, get on here and, and talk about the because that that just that that just not that's just not us. So. We haven't laid out a lot of this stuff together. We've just kind of been jotting down a few things, you know, separately. Uh, and so, though, what Kyle just laid out there, those are the, those are the, the again, for what most people, if they call themselves a dispensationalist, they would subscribe to those seven dispensations. Okay. Now, Kyle, Kyle mentioned something about some people say eight. Okay. Well, so this is this is why I even go down the rabbit trail, is because the simplest way. So, how do we define? Kyle gave those references, right? Of you know, each dispensation having a reference range in the Word of God. Well, did, where do we get that from? Okay. Well, the dispensations, the simplest way to, to break those down is they align with the covenants. Okay. So there are, I believe, clearly laid out, I believe there are eight covenants in the Word of God. Now, there's a historical view like Kyle gave the seven dispensations. There's a historical view of seven covenants, and that's where they, they align that with the, the, they align the seven dispensations with the, the seven covenants. Um, like I said, I, I believe there's there's eight, and that's not important on if there's seven or eight uh, dispensations, because like I said, there's some people that believe there's ten. But 
I think the reason I went through the whole thing of saying that me and Kyle don't don't talk about this beforehand is because Kyle didn't know this. But I, I think we can hit a few references here. Let's, I got a few references written down to at least show you this, okay? So again, to the person, this is really what we're designing this for, to the person that says, never heard of dispensationalism or I've heard about it, but it's a man's, it's a man's thing. Okay. Well, obviously we've laid out the divisions, what we believe are the divisions. Well, I want to give you proof that I believe there are at least four divisions. Okay, again, if we're taking out man's philosophy and we're just laying out, okay, this is what we, okay, we want to study the Bible the way the Bible tells us to study it. So we went to 2 Timothy 2.15 and all that jazz. But I want to give you some, some proof that there's at least at least four, okay? And before I even get to the, the, the proof that there's at least four, if you are somebody that knows about dispensationalism and says, you know what, I am not a dispensationalist, that's not a right way of studying, okay? Believe it or not, I bet you already believe in two differences. I bet you believe in an Old Testament and a New Testament. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I bet you do. Now, you may, may have never thought it that way, so you got to ask yourself the question. Do you think that everything in the Old Testament is done exactly the same way in the New Testament? And if you believe that's the case, then, and I, I, honestly, I'm not being pious or, or, or uh, sarcastic, uh, not trying to be. But do you do you if you believe they're the same, the Old Testament and the New Testament, then do are you currently sacrificing animals once a year at a temple? Do you need a priest in your life that can that can handle those sacrifices for you? A literal man uh, that is a priest. Uh, and there's there's a thousand examples like that. So. I say that because, again, that maybe puts some things into perspective, too, that you have to get on board, I believe, if you're going to be a Bible believer and truly study this thing, you've got to get on board. Whether you say there's seven or eight, that, that, that's not that big of a deal. Um, you may be the guy that says, I only believe in four dispensations, okay? Because I think, like I said, I'm going to give what I think is proof that there's at least four. I believe there's a lot more than that, but to show you just how the very obviousness of it. But you've got to get on board with this thing that not everything's the same. Okay, because because what you're going to do, this is a very common thing, and we talked about the traditions of men uh, a couple episodes ago. One thing that's very popular is is this expression that the Old Testament saints that they got saved by looking forward to the cross, and that the the New Testament saints they get saved by looking back to the cross. Now, there's no doubt about it. We today we get saved by looking back to the cross, but you're going to have a hard time finding scriptural evidence that Old Testament saints got saved by looking forward to the cross. Okay, for one, the cross was a was a system to kill people that did not exist at that time. I mean hard for them to wrap their head around that. And when you when you get to the place where Jesus is, is getting ready to be crucified, his disciples are flipping out. So if the, if, if throughout history in, in the Jewish Nation, if they have always been looking forward to the cross, then you think those guys would have been onto something a little bit more. Okay, and so my point is, when you just really start studying this stuff out, uh, there is just there. It's just not the same. So you believe in Old Testament and New Testament. You believe there are differences there, even if you don't call yourself a dispensationalist. Okay, one example that comes to my mind is David. David had the Spirit of God inside of him. But after his, I think it's Psalm 51. I'm not positive about that. Should have looked that up. Um, it's, it's a reference. It talks about take not the Holy Spirit from me. Um, I don't know if you can find it. But 
uh, David prays and asks the Lord not to take the Spirit of God from him. Now, that was coming off the heels of his sin with Bathsheba, okay? Very, you know, well-known thing of a gross sin that he committed there. But go ahead. You got to go ahead and read it. Psalm 5111. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Okay. So... Again, and we're going to keep going back to this. If you're going to, if you're, because we believe you take the Bible literally, you're going to have two options. You're going to say, well, that's not really what that verse is saying, what he's meaning by that. And again, again, not to retread last week and to retread the week before, but if, if you, if that's how you're going to consistently interpret scripture, then you're not taking it literally. And, and you're going to be able to keep doing that on different places and different times in the word of God. Again, because all leading back to the same thing that you're you're bringing the Bible to say what you want it to say, yeah. rather than it's saying what it says. Okay, so you mind reading the reference one more time, Big Kyle? Yeah, Psalms fifty one eleven. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So he's asking the Spirit of God not, or he's asking God not to take the Spirit of God from him. Okay, so again, to the person, and maybe we may have zero people that that. Oppose dispensationalism. I'm, I'm wasting my time, but maybe there'll be one. I don't know. But if if you don't, if you think I, yeah, I just don't know about that. Okay. Well, do you think as a Christian today that you that you have to worry about God taking the Holy Spirit from you? Because that is that is in direct opposition with what Pauline doctrine teaches us. Okay, Ephesians 1, and this is where I say it'll just get kind of raw and real. We're just going to kind of look through some references here. But Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See what happens? We got the earnest, or the, the next verse says, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession and to the praise of his glory. So, if salvation is the same, because to say that you believe in dispensationalism but believe that salvation is the same throughout the Bible is, is really just to say you're not a dispensationalist. Because that's kind of an old school way of thinking that people say, but it's really inconsistent. So, so to say, for, for David to say, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And he, and it, man, he, he meant that thing literally. David was no idiot. He was the king of Israel. Okay? Man after God's own heart. He knew what he was, he knew what he was praying. And then for Paul to say in Ephesians 1 that that is the earnest of our inheritance. Just as you go and put earnest money on a house to tell the sellers, hey, I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm in. I'm in it to buy it. That is what God did with the Spirit of God when we called upon Him for salvation. He gave us the Spirit of God to say, hey, you're my purchased possession. You're mine. Your life is now mine. And one day, I'm going to give you a new body and, and complete your inheritance, the adoption of the inheritance. And I'm, you're, I'm going to give you a new body in heaven with me. No sin, no more corruption, none of that. The Holy Spirit's the promise of that. So if the Holy Spirit can leave us, then we actually don't have eternal security. We don't know for sure that the day we got saved, that we were secure the rest of our life. So again, that's just one example, and, and we'll probably use another week to just give you dozens of those to show you the problem with that. But again, if nothing else, you have to see this whole thing of, of 
the difference, if nothing else, of the New Testament and Old Testament. I mean, that is in the Word of God. Okay? Another reference that, that uh, is important is, is Matthew 26, 28. And it says, For this is my blood of the New Testament. Okay? So Jesus talking to his disciples. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Okay? So, the word testament, this is interesting, the word testament is also translated in our Bible as covenant. And remember, we said that the way that we get dispensations is from the covenants of the Word of God. Those are promises. So what God has, has promised to His people, how He's dealing with them, how He's dispensing His grace, okay? So, massively important. Okay, so I went on a long rabbit trail there, but what I was getting at was I want to give you proof that there's at least four dispensations just in these these final minutes here. Okay, so Kyle, we'll just turn around here a little bit. Um, let's see. So read, uh, Big Cow, if you want to go to Romans 5.14. Romans 5.14. Mm-hmm. Can we read it now? Or you yeah. This, so this this should this should show us that there's a, there's something that, that God is laying out that there's something from Adam to Moses okay which will be the first dispensation Romans 5:14 nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come okay so interesting thing there but it it lays out there this connection from from Adam to Moses okay in other words that after Moses, something is, is slightly changing. Well, what happens is the law comes. Okay, now we know the law couldn't save anybody, but we know from the book of James that that then began to show man, it's, it's, our, it's our, our schoolmaster. It brings us in the New Testament, the law brings us to Christ because it shows us, hey, we can't keep it. We're sinners, right? But there's a connection there. Okay, and then Kyle, if you want to grab Luke 16, 16, and I'm going to grab John 1, 17. Okay, so... My point is, look, there, there is one clear separation of Scripture there. So I'm just trying to give you proof of, show you some separations that the Word of God uses to show you that things were one way for a period of time and then there's a cutoff point, okay? That's kind of what I'm trying to show you. So I believe there's more than four dispensations, as we've already said, but I'm giving you proof for at least four. And I already gave you proof for at least two, I believe, with Old Testament and New Testament. But Adam to Moses, we got as one. The second one would be Moses to John the Baptist, Okay, so Moses to John the Baptist. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and, and uh, read that if you got it. Luke sixteen sixteen. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. Okay, so the, the law and the prophets. Okay, remember, we talked about Adam to Moses. That first deal in, in the Romans 5, 14 lays out. Okay. And then in Luke 16, 16, the law came at the end of Moses. That's why there's a cutoff point in that first one. And then in Luke 16, 16, he lays out that that law continued until John the Baptist. Okay, again, there's a cutoff point. Well, eventually what the cutoff point is uh, that Jesus goes to the cross, okay? The death of the testator. Okay, so, so, so our first one is Adam to Moses, our second one is, in Micah, if you want to grab Hebrews 9.16. Our first one we laid out is Adam to Moses, found from Romans 5.14. Our second one is from Moses to John the Baptist, found in Luke 16.16. 16. 
our third one is an inter, uh, just a, a short intermediate period from John the Baptist to the blood atonement, to Christ going to the cross. And we find that in Hebrews 9.16. Hebrews 9.16, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Okay. So again, a testament is a covenant. Okay, those are, those are, those are synonymous. And the testator is Jesus Christ. So a New Testament is ushered in. I read it earlier in Matthew 26. He's, he's given the precursor for it. The, the blood is the New Testament. Okay, well, that, that te- the testator dies on the cross. Jesus Christ goes and dies on the cross. Okay, boom, another transition. Okay, based on Hebrews 9.16. So that's not, after Jesus died, it was not the same way that it was when John the Baptist was on earth preaching. Okay, there's a, there's a separation there. So that we could say that's another, that's another difference. Yeah, he, one of the verses I was looking at was Hebrews 9.12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place and obtained eternal redemption for us. So, so that shows you there the Old Testament was different. And Absolutely. Nobody there had their sins. Uh, nobody's sins were fully gone, right? right? Absolutely. They're, they weren't redeemed. Right. In the Old Testament, because it says there are blood, and, uh, blood of goats and calves, right? It wasn't until Christ shed his blood that we have eternal redemption. Right. That was in, that was in Hebrews, Hebrews 9, 9 12. <clears throat> okay. So um, Hebrews 9.23, oh, I'm glad that Kyle said that. That's a good thought. Because Hebrews 9.23, and again, if nothing else from this episode, if you just learned this or maybe were reminded of this, that things were not the same in the Old Testament as the New Testament, I believe me, you'll be way ahead of a lot of false teachers because they try to make everything synonymous, and there's just no way. It's just not the clear teaching of Scripture. Okay, like I said, because how many dispensations you put on this will be something that, again, that it's not as important as the fact that as long as you, we want you to rightly divide the word of truth and yeah. see that there are divisions, okay? And there are different people groups and different audiences. Okay, but so Hebrews 9.23 says this, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Okay, notice the word better. Hebrews 8 verse 6 says this, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator, Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Okay, of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Here, this is the deal. The time frame that you and I live in, let's just be honest, it's better than what they had in the Old Testament. Yeah, we got it easy. It just <laughs> is. It's better. Now, again, not to, to be oversimplistic, because you get what I'm saying, but it's like this. If there's two football teams, I love sports, if there's two football teams, and you say team one is better than team two, what you're not saying is that they are the same or that they are equal. There's a difference. There is something different. There is a division there in talent or scheme or something. There is something that is not the same. Yeah. And did so you, did that you is read Hebrews seven. 20? No, no, hit that one too. That's the one I wrote down was Hebrews seven twenty two. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. So yeah. he's even saying there. There's a there's a better testament. Yeah, absolutely. Then when you get to Second Corinthians chapter three. Verse 14, 
But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with in Christ. So he's telling you right. there's a difference. Absolutely. In the old and the new. Absolutely. Yeah. So super, super clear separations here. So if nothing else, I, I do believe this. I believe that you'll see clearly that there are at least two, there's at least two divisions. You got to see that. I mean, it takes, you have to just, you can't miss it, right? Okay. I will finish this. So I laid out that I wanted to show you there's at least four. The one was that there's Adam to Moses in Romans 5. There's Moses to John the Baptist in Luke 16, 16. There's that short period from John the Baptist to the death of Christ, Hebrews 9, 16. And then the fourth one would be a New Testament running after the death of Christ all the way into an indefinite time period. So in other words, after Christ dies, there are the things forward after that would be a separate and different thing going on than what we saw before Christ's death. Okay? And you can see, you know, uh, again with, with Paul and, and the things he lays out, again, like the thing in Ephesians 1, there's a, there's a new birth. By the way, you can't find a new birth in the Old Testament. You ought, to, you ought to do it. You ought to go to East. We use East Sword. You ought to use some kind of thing and search references of Scripture. Try to find a new birth in, in the, the Old Testament. You can't do it. You can find pictures of it because we believe, that, again, three layers of application and that God is always giving, giving pictures of things that is to come. But you can't find a new, a new birth in the Old Testament. The way that we know that, too, is John chapter 3. Very, we love John 3.16, right? John 3, Nicodemus, who is a, he's a big wig in the synagogues around there, right? He's a big wig. He knows his stuff. He knows the Old Testament. Nicodemus comes to Christ by night because he's, he's, he's worried about it, right? Because Jesus is a controversial person. He comes to Christ by night and he's asking the Lord about some things. And he the way that, that Jesus describes this to Nicodemus is by a new birth. And Nicodemus' response is, how am I going to go back to my, mom, my, my mother's womb? So if a new birth was in the Old Testament, then a very smart man in the Jewish community was really dropping the ball somewhere. <laughs> he would have known that. Okay? So, if, so in this whole episode, if nothing else, if nothing else, you've seen there, there's some differences in Scripture. Again, you can't have a better covenant if the first one's the same as the, the, the second one. Okay. Again, we believe there's more than two. We believe I believe there's more than four dispensations, as I laid out to try to give you some examples. I believe there's there's seven or eight. Depends how you how you count that thing. But there's several. Okay. But but again, if nothing else, the goal of this episode as a as a launching pad was just to show you that this whole thing of dispensationalism, it is simply it really is just simply that Second Timothy two fifteen deal, which is saying we're rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's maybe give one more example, Kyle, just because we gave the example of how there's differences in the Old Testament with, with, uh, with David and that whole deal in Psalm 51. Let's go to the Sermon on the Mount real quick. All right. Let's pull up, uh, you go, if you want to go just like somewhere randomly, Matthew 5, and I'll go somewhere in like Matthew 6, okay? Because what we've been saying in this is, again, remember, we can't lose sight of, of the last episode, and that is that we've got to take the Word of God literally until we can't, Okay? And so, let's see. 
Okay, you know what, Big Cal, if you want to find one of those, it's probably in the in the in the blessings there and uh, the Beatitudes. Yeah. Um, you go to that. And I'm going to go to John 15:8. I preached this okay. in our church recently. and This will be a good example. You may go and read that. Yeah, just read one that that that's uh, that's uh, something that literally would not apply to us. Uh, Matthew chapter five. So I'll just start in verse two real quick. Okay. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, let's see. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Um, what else? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Um, so, Big Cow, I actually, I'm sorry, are you in Matthew 5? Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought it was Matthew, I thought it was the same chapter. Matthew 6, look at Matthew 6, 15. And our, our whole point in all this is, again, if we're going to take these verses literally, nothing wrong with taking devotional application, like you know, like all those things Kyle just read. Like, those are great things. Like, you know, yeah. We need those are some those are some good devotion devotions in the morning, right? Like we should, but there's some there's some stuff in this whole Sermon on the Mount from Matthew five to, to Matthew chapter seven that if we take literally, it can't apply to us because it disagrees with Paul with Paul's doctrine that we we've laid out. So read uh, Matthew six fifteen. That's where I was trying to go. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, there you go. So now here, here we go. This is this is an example. We're going to work through more of these in time to come, but this is an example. It says, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Okay, so if you are somebody that has called upon Jesus Christ for eternal life, placing your faith in his finished work on the cross to pay for your sin debt, according to the Bible and according to what you believe most likely is that you are, you are saved and you are on your way to heaven. Okay, so then what do you do with, with Matthew chapter 6? Because according to this verse, if it's to be taken literally, according to this verse, even though you're saved and on your way to heaven, if you have a grudge against somebody, let's say somebody does you wrong, and, and you won't forgive that person of their, of their trespasses, your father won't forgive you yours. Well, that's a problem. Because he, he supposedly forgave your sin debt at the cross. And so if he's not going to do that, then then are you saved or are you not saved? Now, that may sound like, okay, well, that, that's a little bit of a stretch there. But there are that is where false doctrine actually comes from. There are pastors, there are people that wrongly divide. And now you're starting to see how this whole thing of rightly dividing is connected with being ashamed or not being ashamed. Because there are people... That will say, yeah, but that eternal security thing, I don't know about once saved, always saved. I don't know about that because how about that deal over there? And by the way, they're taking it literally. So so this is the Baptist approach. Okay, so that's the one side is they'll they'll take it literally and say, well, you you can't know for sure that you're saved because you never know what if you do that sin at the end of your life, you don't forgive somebody of their trespasses. You're out, man. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But then what you'll have is the Baptist approach, which is what we talked about last week of, of not taking it literally, and, and a, a good Baptist, a good old school Baptist will read, and we love the Baptist church, we're both Baptists, not not being pious about it, but but they'll say, ah, oh, but what Jesus is really saying there 
You see? And they get off reinterpreting the verse. Or they'll even appear and we... Yeah, private interpretation. And we, we talked about Greek in here tonight so far. But they'll go and say, well, what that word really means in the Greek... And they, get, they begin correcting the, their English Bible. Which again, they're redefining it. They're not just taking it for what it says. And so, and by the way, dozens and dozens and dozens, dozens of those like that. Okay? Where you start, but see, so how do we rightly divide that? Well, again, what we believe with this, with rightly dividing the word truth is that the, the death of the testator is actually what ushered in the church age. The, Jesus Christ was the testator. He dies. He bleeds and dies on a cross. And at that moment, things were, were made ready for the church age. Okay? So my point of saying that is Matthew 6, Jesus has not died yet. So you know what? They're actually still under Moses. They're under the law and the prophets. They're under the same shindig that the Old Testament cats were under. Okay? Here's another, here's another example. John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, in, in, in the context of John 15, is, is talking about abiding in Christ, like our, us dwelling with Jesus, us, us, uh, us yielding ourselves to him, resting in him intimacy with him. And it says in verse seven, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, I'm sorry, it's wrong verse. That's all right. Verse six, if a man abide not in me, okay, here we go. So if you're saved, you know, Jesus Christ, but let's say you have not been abiding in the Lord. You have not been dwelling with him, resting in him. Okay. It says, if, you, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Well, according to verse 2, all these branches are in Christ. Because he says, he says, every branch that is in me. Okay, so if we're in Christ, we, we cannot be out of Christ. That's, that's code for getting saved is in Christ. So if a, man, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them. And cast them into the fire. So what is the branch? The branch is people. And these people that were in Christ, that have stopped, that are not abiding in Christ, according to verse 6, if they're not abiding in him, that branch is taken by men and thrown into the fire. And what people will do, what pastors will do, and by the way, I don't think they're all corrupt. I think some of them just don't know what they're talking about. But what they'll do is they'll say, boy, you, you better stay, you better keep that walk with Jesus in the right place. Now, disclaimer, I think you ought to keep your walk with Jesus in the right place. <laughs> but not so that you don't go to hell. Yeah. Not so that you get to keep your salvation. Not so that you don't fall from grace. Bible reference, by the way, but it's not talking about the grace of salvation. Falling from grace still. But not so any of those things. I think you ought to keep your walk with Jesus because you were saved to a, to a love relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why he saved you. But so I, I, just another example. And I hope in all of this, again, we're at, we're at 55 minutes. So, uh, man, if you were already somebody that only listened to 20 minutes of these, the, sorry. <laughs> we'll just, this is going without listening, I guess, without a lot of ears, this back part. But, man, these are just some simple examples. Again, John 15 Jesus hasn't died yet. This is, this is pre-cross. And so if anything, the goal is, is to show you, you've got to very clearly from Scripture see 
that everything from Genesis to Revelation to Revelation is not equal across the board. It's just not. There's obvious differences. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even take a, a Bible scholar to figure that out. It's really obvious. The references that we read in, in Hebrews were very clear on that. Right. And the examples that we've just laid out. Okay, so, man, I, I don't know. I, me and Kyle have obviously not listened to this. We just, we're, we're fresh off of recording. So I don't know if we were clear on that. We'll probably keep doing this in several, several episodes to come. But if nothing else in this first episode, our goal was we want you to see that there are divisions. It's very clear. The Bible tells us we got to study it, that we need to study it, and it's connected to us being ashamed or not being ashamed. And the way, the very way that we study it is through divisions, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yeah. And so, again, if you're going to take that, that verse literally, like we've been talking about taking stuff literally, then you got to realize, hey, there, there's divisions. Everything's not equal. Yeah, yeah we, we were reading in Matthew... That verse said, deny me before, whosoever shall deny me before man, him shall also deny before the Father. Well, the reference for that in Hebrews, we read Hebrews 9, 16 earlier. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Well, the next verse, verse 17, for a testament is of force after men are dead. Yeah. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So yeah, that's good. Christ that's really hasn't good. died yet. That's good, yeah. yeah. So the New Testament, just because you... You flip in your Bible to Matthew and it Absolutely. says this is the beginning of the New Testament. Yep. Well, that, that testament doesn't start until the death of the testator. Right. And that testator is Christ. Yeah, so there's actually this old stigma that the words in red have like extra meaning to them. And I love the words in red. Actually, none of my Bibles have red letters. Yeah. But I still love them. <laughs> but this is gonna, this this drives people crazy. If, you, if someone has never heard about dispensation, this drives people crazy. The words in red were not to you. <laughs> and that's abrasive. But the word, Jesus' earthly ministry, he was dealing with 12 Jewish men. Yeah. You go look and see what John the Baptist was preaching. He's preaching the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. The gospel of the kingdom. Again, it's just different. And again, I was telling Kyle before we started this episode, there's just so much to say. And again, this was a launching pad. I, it was so much to say, I, I almost didn't know what to say. Yeah. And you're probably thinking, well, that was clear. I just listened to it. <laughs> but, but, although we're about an hour in, so we obviously were saying yeah. something, even if it was in circles. Uh, but yeah, great reference there. What the, the, the thing did not go into effect until the, until the death of the testator. And so, okay, as we go into to next week, obviously we'll need at least one more week, probably more on this whole thing. And we'll, we'll hopefully get into more on our plan is to get into more on the seven or eight dispensations that we believe are clearly laid out in scripture so that you can kind of get your bearings on that. We just wanted to use today to show you that there were divisions, but that, but moving forward, we want to show you the seven or eight aligned with the seven or eight covenants. Cause again, that's how you separate the dispensations is based on the covenants. So like in the church age, very clearly, the reason we know the church age, that things changed is because there was the death of the testator and that ushered in the church age. That ushered in where, you, where through the transition of Acts, you begin to see God dealing with the church, Gentiles and Jews alike that are all in Christ in one body. And so we want to, we want to show you the layout, the, the clear differences in the dispensations moving forward and we we may probably spend a good bit of time 
just showing you like we did here at the end of this episode, the clear contradictions in Scripture if you don't view it through divisions and through dispensations. No. Because, again, that's the, that's the proof in the pudding. Because, because, because this is really what it all goes back to. And we were laying this out last week. It all goes back to, it all goes back to, are you going to take this book literally? And if you take it literally, there's only one way to do it. And it's through divisions. It's through rightly dividing the word of truth, which brings you into this whole thing of dispensationalism, which is a big fancy word. But we're saying that God dispenses his grace differently to different people in different time periods. So, it, it keeps going back to that Second Timothy two fifteen. Yep. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, I mean, the Bible requires study, right, to properly understand it, and the Bible needs to be rightly divided. If we're not doing that, then that's where all this this heresy and stuff is coming from. Absolutely. Not rightly dividing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that's what it's been said before. I, we may have said it last week. I can't, I'm not sure, but all all heresy comes from Bible teaching wrongly placed, yeah. just wrongly dividing it. Again, that whole Matthew six thing that we read: if you forgive not your your if you forgive not other men their trespasses, then the Father won't forgive you yours. Well, that's Bible teaching, but you got to place that in the right place. Yeah. Who who's the audience? What time period is it? What's going on around that in the context of that that chapter? Yeah, and so, man. Praise the Lord. Yeah. If you're, we, we, I want to say, too, this is our plug. If you're, if you follow us on anything or on a specific podcast platform, give us a review if you like us. Unless you're going to give us a one or two star, then don't do that. Just, just <laughs> bypass it. <laughs> but give us a review. And, uh, and, sh- and if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, uh, then share some stuff. Yeah. We'd, we'd appreciate that. Get the word out. Share the new episodes. Yes. Tell your friends <laughs> and your family. All about this this stuff and how uh, how we're oh, we we do episodes over an hour now because we're in an hour and two minutes. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll appreciate it. seriously. We appreciate you listening. We we have, we're having a good time with it so yep. far. So yeah, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I guess we're gonna be doing these every Thursday. Every so, Thursday. So Boom. everybody, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be dropping a new episode every Thursday, and uh, we'll catch y'all next time.